The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. Woo! Christmas. I don't know about you guys, but oh sweet Christmas time. Christmas time used to be a week. Christmas Eve, you know, Christmas Day. And then the season grew to 25 days. And then it grew to like 45 days. And then I, yay, Santa, I know him. <clears throat> and then it, it just it became this whole like other world. And I don't know about you guys, but Christmas is beautiful where everything seems to shine a little brighter, food tastes better, calories don't count. In-laws are so kind. They compliment your parenting style. Yes. Conversations with family that have nothing to do with political satire. Nothing negative is ever brought up. Presents under the tree are bought thoughtfully Every single gift perfectly wrapped with the right name tag on them, perfect bows, kids singing Christmas carols, children laughing and playing with no fighting, no name calling, no yelling, and no crying. It's a Norman Rockwell painting that perfectly depicts dinner, that's what my dinner looks like. What about yours? <laughs> right? Oh, that beautiful turkey. The manger scenes with cute shepherds, with rosy cheeks, and angels with fluffy curls. That's what every Christmas looks like, right? Or <laughs> Christmas is this long season where everything takes longer. There's lines for everything. There's lines for the bathroom at restaurants. There are lines for everything. Everything takes longer. You gain way more weight because they put butter and lard in everything. Who knew this? They still sell lard. They sell heart attacks in a bucket, and we use them on Christmas time. Conversations about the most draining subjects. Conversations that no one ever wants to have. The gifts under the tree are haphazardly put together, praying, crossing your fingers that you didn't get another pair of socks from grandma. Children. Fighting, screaming, yelling, shaking, breaking gifts, chasing dogs, putting bows on cats name-calling, and you can't go anywhere because gas prices are just ridiculously high. Christmas Story movie might depict your your Christmas a little bit more accurately, where the dogs come in and they run and they take over Christmas, and what really happens is your Christmas season is just a little bit messier than what the postcards are. And I don't know about you, But even today, this morning, my day was so messy. We got a new pup. For those of you who said not to, bite your tongue. (laughs) He's a runner. 
He opened the door. He runs outside and he plays tag. I'm going to get you. And then we're late for church. The thing that I do because I didn't want to kill the dog. So life is messy. And we're all gathered here today because we know that in this mess, we need Jesus. Let me pray for us real quick. Oh, God. We love you so much. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, man. For just peace and stillness in this moment. Whatever car rides happened, whatever dogs got out, whatever fighting, spilling coffee, things that happened on the way here. God, that you would eliminate all of those distractions and that as we sit here in the mess, we can feel your presence. Amen. All right, so we're talking about the shepherds today, and I want to just give you guys a little bit of who the shepherds are. We have a very Americanized idea of shepherds. How many of you guys have a manger scene out? Yes, yes, okay. Well, I'm going to pull out my daughter's manger scene real quick, and I want to go through some characters with you in this beautiful manger scene. Whoops, I dropped baby Jesus. (laughs) Don't know how things go up from here. (laughs) All right. So, we have this really cute manger. It doesn't smell like poop. Right, because that's where they would have been with the horses and the stables. And we have this blonde hair, blue eyed angel that just goes right there. Maybe she's supposed to sing. Well, broken angel. There we go. And then we have Mary. And I don't know about you guys, but for you women who have had kids, was your hair curled after? Like, did they have curling irons back then? But here you go. And here's Mary, and she's beautiful. Where did baby Jesus, oh, he's way back here. (laughs) Baby Jesus, also, for those of you who had babies, do they come with halos? Mine didn't. (laughs) And then we have Joseph, and I don't know, he's got rosy cheeks. He didn't really do that much work, right? So they could depict him however they want. And then there you go. And then it says... And then the angels came. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their sheep. And you're like, oh, and the angel came to talk to these rosy cheek shepherds that are so handsome and so kind looking and little kids even. And that's who the angels came to talk to. Oh, yeah, I can see the angels wanting to go and present to that. Here's another, this one's probably my favorite shepherd of all time because he's blonde. (laughs) Blonde haired, blue eyed, little boy shepherd holding a sheep with just perfectly pressed clothes. And that's who we think the shepherds are. So then what happens is, is we read that story and to us, we're like, yeah, I can get why the first people to be told about the savior of the universe was these guys frolicking in a field, right? Just rainbows, and they have these sheep that are so sweet, and they're just petting them, and they're like, oh, God came, hello. But let's get a real picture of who the shepherds were. They were thugs. 
They were tough. They were burly. People would describe them as either pirates or, or the um, unlikely people. They were tough. These particular group of shepherds were actually shepherds that were temple shepherds, meaning that they did everything, would fight with their whole life to protect their sheep because these sheep were the ones that were used for temple sacrifices. So they protected what was used in rituals, but because they needed 24 hours, they never did their own rituals at the temple. They lived with the sheep. They ate with the sheep. They did everything with them, and they would kill you if you tried to mess with their sheep. These were tough guys. These were guys that were probably a shepherd out of necessity because they had no other ability in life. These were the guys that you would see them crossing the street and you would grab your little kid's hand and say, oh, we're going to go over this way. These were the guys that if they were sitting in church right now, to be real honest, they would have a big circle around them because no one would be sitting near them. They were scary, they were tough, they were smelly, they were terrifying. Why in the world, when the God of the universe placed the star that would go to them and he tells the angels, all right, listen, here's my first choice. This is who I want you to go to and this is who I want to meet my son first. And the angels are like, yeah, who, who? The Pharisees, right? The kings, right? Who? Social influencers, the media, someone popular, who? And then he looks at them and he's like, go to the shepherds. I don't know about you. I know angels do anything that God says, but there might be a little bit of confusion in their hearts of like, huh? Oh, God, that's a, that's an interesting choice for it. I asked someone a couple weeks ago, if you guys don't know him, his name's Mike Bartell. Saturday morning Bible study for the guys, 8.30. He is a genius, yes, come out to that. And I asked him, I said, hey, Mike, why do you think God chose the shepherds to be first? And I loved his answer because it was pure. He said, because he had to, because it would tell the story from the beginning that Jesus is for everyone. <sighs> Jesus is for everyone. When Jesus comes for the shepherds and the most unlikely people, what that's telling you is that Jesus didn't come for only a certain group of people, a certain socioeconomic status person. He didn't come for those who were in the temple waiting for him he came for the shepherds, which is good news for you and I, because when it says he came for everyone, that means he came for us. He came for the shepherds because he wanted the world to know from the very, very beginning that there wasn't going to be a type of group of people that he wasn't here for. There wasn't going to be a group of people that his love would not reach. And so we're sitting here and we're like, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, God came for me. Like, I'm a fairly decent human being. You know, I'm clever. 
I'm here on a Sunday, you know. Broncos played last night, so I see why you guys are here today. We need Jesus. So anyways, and so we can agree with that statement that Jesus came for everyone, except when the everyone is the boss that fired you, except when everyone is the spouse that cheated on you, the parents that beat you, abandoned you, the friends that hurt you, the murderers, the prisons that are full of messed up people. And you say, when Jesus came for everyone, he not only came for the people sitting in Cross Point Church, he came for the people in the prisons. When God chose who to come to first, he didn't choose Cross Point Church, he chose the people in the ravine behind Cross Point Church. And so what we start to think then is like, ooh, I kind of don't like that. Because those people are tough. Those people hurt me. What are you saying, Jesus? My friends that completely abandoned me? God, you love them like you love me? My husband... Not my husband, someone's husband, (laughs) who hurt you incredibly bad and did god-awful things to you? Really, Jesus? We can even accept that he came for the marginalized. Right? Yes, we can accept that he came from the marginalized because they don't have anyone else. And we're like, yes, they're broken people. But the people that actually do the hurting... The people who marginalize people, and we start to think that Jesus came from them. And then there's this phrase, and nobody likes it, but it's called scandalous grace. It's because the grace of Jesus that came, that it comes for us, is not scandalous, or we don't think it is. But the reason why Jesus died on the cross was because of all of the sins that were put upon him that cover everything, including the gnarly people that we don't want. And so when you start to think about who the shepherds were, right from the very beginning of the existence of this cute, haloed baby Jesus, is that there's a scandalous grace that it's for everyone. And so you either feel really kind of uncomfortable or you feel really stoked and excited. Because you either feel uncomfortable because you're like, well, that's not me. Or you feel really excited because you're like, yeah, that is me. And so right now, if you're, you nudge your neighbor and they're like, they're talking about you, right? I want you to nudge them back and be like, no, they're talking about you. Jesus was born for everyone. The messiness of the Christmas story is that it was presented in a way that was so unexpected. In Titus 2.11, it says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. When you see the shepherds now, I want you to just start to say all people. When you see the shepherds and you hear the story, that it's not this cute Sunday school manger story, but that it's he came for every one. And then it continues in the story. Because it says, when the angels returned to heaven, in verse 15 in Luke 2, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. Their reaction was, let's go and see. Have you guys ever been told really good 
like news about like a restaurant, right? You hear something about a restaurant, so you go to a restaurant. I love sushi. I will, I will put it out there. We just went to a new sushi restaurant on Monday night, me and some of my friends. I've told like 10 people about it. And some of those people have said, let's go and see, and they've checked it out because it's good sushi and affordable, just saying. We'll talk after. So how many of you guys will just go and see something on a tip, right? Like we're all looking for that discounted yogurt or that uh, not so high priced, really good meal. Someone puts on Temecula Talk where gas is cheap, and then we all go, let's go and see, right? Because we're all eager to go and see something that's going to be good for us. But when someone says, hey, let's go see about this Jesus. Are we inviting people to come in church and say, hey, come check it out. Let's go and see what, what this good thing is happening. Are you able to have this talk and then are you going and seeing because the answer for them was so simple hey let's go and check it out and then I love verse 16 because it said they hurried to the village they hurried with great haste we are in a hurry culture we hurry to everything there is a book that a student that graduated is reading and it talks about the ruthless elimination of hurry because we're a culture that hurries to everything. We hurry, we wake up and from the moment our feet hit the ground, we're go, 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 go. And I see you, you're hurrying to the mall, you're hurrying down Winchester, cutting off people, right? You're hurrying to the latest and greatest fad. On Thanksgiving, the, the family tradition where we sit there with the family and we get fat and eat turkey and then we play football games and do all these things have been cut short because of this little thing called Black Friday. But Black Friday now starts on Thursday <laughs> at like three. But we got to wait in line because we got to get that 10% off. So we're going to go at noon and we're not going to do the dinner. And we hurry and we stand in line and we wait to save five bucks. We run and do whatever it can, and we run and we hurry and we hurry and we hurry. Every single day we're hurrying to something. What are you hurrying to? When you wake up first thing in the morning, are you hurrying to be with your Jesus? Are you hurrying to open up the Bible and have a conversation with the Lord? And this is not a guilt trip message, don't worry. But I will tell you, that being a mom of two kids and having a three-year-old that wakes up at like six in the morning, I'm hurrying to get her to bed at night, right? From the moment I wake up, it's how can I get you tired enough to sleep? And that is the goal of my daytime, is that I'm just like, oh, I want to sleep. We're all hurrying to something. And a few months ago, I started a devotion in the morning with my friend. And she holds me accountable and it's obnoxious. But Every single morning, the first thing that I do before coffee touches my lips, the golden nectar of the heavens, <laughs> is I open a Bible and I read and I say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? Because I can hurry to so many other things. I am like, oh, what's over there? Shiny new toy. Oh, new hairstyle. Oh, that's great. Let me get that, right? New pair of vans. Let me hurry. Let me buy them. 
And I could hurry and I could miss it. And in this season where you have 17 potlucks and five ugly sweater parties, are you hurrying to the word of God? Are you hurrying to the, the season that this is about? Is about Jesus. Have you met him this season? Have you slowed down enough to say, I'm a mess, Jesus. What are you hurrying to? The urgency that's inside of us when it comes to Jesus, unfortunately, is when something implodes. When our kid is sick. I can tell you one of the seasons that I never felt closer to God, and my urgency was when my daughter was in the hospital. 117 days, I was like, me and Jesus were besties. But when that urgency's gone, when that need for Jesus is gone, sometimes we replace it with other things. And then it says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. I want to give you guys really, really good news today, is that Jesus will be found by you. Right? Come on, guys. Jesus, the Savior of the universe, will be found by you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, everyone loves that passage, right? It's the coffee cup passage of the century. For I know the plans I have for you. We're like, hallelujah, they're good and perfect. And then we stop reading. But if you keep reading a few more verses in Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, by God, the God of the universe, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me I will be found by you, says the Lord. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. This is not an intergalactic hide-and-seek. He's not, like, hanging out on Saturn saying, peekaboo, right? This isn't this giant game of Marco Polo. You say Marco, he says, here I am. I'm right here. If you look for me, you can find me. But unfortunately, what we're looking for is comfort and release. <sighs> Woo! Merry Christmas, guys. We're stressed. So we're looking down a bottle of wine or whiskey if you're classy, right? We're stressed. So we're like, where was that lard hidden that you were talking about? We're stressed. I'm going to go exercise until I can't fill my body because I want to be numb. Because what I want to find is comfort. And what I want to find is just quiet. And so I'm going to go to the place that takes me there. And so when you say Jesus will be found, that means you've got to look for Jesus. And not just for comfort. Not for your problems to go away. Because I don't know what lie that was ever told to you. That if you look for Jesus and you find him, addiction is gone. 
right? Your husband now knows how to put the toilet seat down, right? That's what we think. Like, we come to church and we're like, we're here, Jesus, for the answers, and we're here for you to make bad things stop happening. And that never happens, but what comes is it says that they were looking, and the Messiah, which is the Savior, and so we all want to be saved from our problems, and he says, I'm saving you for eternity. I'm saving you with hope, I'm saving you with love. I'm saving you with this undeniable peace in your heart that while you're going through trials, I'm with you. So while you are experiencing suffering, you're not alone. But he says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you. And the shepherds found Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Jesus wants to be found by you. In Revelation 3.20, says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. How many of you guys are so thankful that Jesus knocks on your door? How many of you guys are so thankful that no matter what is going on, if depression is overwhelming you, where you can't get out of bed because you're so sad or you're so tired, and he's like, hey, Jess, I'm here. I love you. Hey, Stephen, I'm right here. I'm knocking at your door. This Christmas season doesn't have to be about all the painful things, but they're going to happen, right? Highest suicide rate ever, Christmas season, because there are a lot of lonely people out there. And what they don't know is they're imagining that Jesus came for these blonde-haired, blue-eyed, cutesy, rosy-cheeked shepherds, and it's like, no, he came for you in the pit where you sit in your depression, in your darkness, in your hurt, in your pain, in your struggles, in your happiness and joyful times too. He came for you. He came for you. I should end the message and we should be like, woo! God is good. We're going to keep going though. (laughs) You're welcome. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. They told everyone. And this was not a group of people that everyone would want to be hearing a message from. But they didn't care and that didn't stop them. Why? Because they experienced something. Because they saw something different. And they're like, whoa, let's, let's tell people. People need to know about this. Just like the sushi restaurant I went to, I felt like it was a semi-spiritual experience. And I was like, I need to tell everyone. But when you come here and you experience rest for your soul, don't you want your neighbor to experience that too? When you come here and you, you lift your hands to the Lord and you feel peace in your heart? Don't you want your coworker who has no peace to feel that too? And I want to I want to take some massive pressure off of you. I want to take this huge thing off of you that if the shepherds can do it, 
y'all can do it. They didn't have theological degrees. They did not grow up doing rituals in the temple. They had the sheep for you guys to do it. What they knew about the Lord was what they had just experienced. And they said, but that was enough. And so all of that pressure that you're putting on yourself to have this well-crafted story, knock it off because you don't have to. That's pressure you put on yourself. When you go and tell everyone, it's, hey, this is my story, and this is who Jesus is in my story. And this is what Jesus gave me. And I really want you to have that too. I really want you to experience that as well. And you're like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird. Praise God, you are weird already. <laughs> Let's just get it over with, right? Because when you have something so good, you want everyone to know. When our high school, I did student ministry for many, many years. And when our high school students, you see it, when they get it, right, and this like little light turns on and this, their countenance is lighter, this is this rad thing that they do, is the next week they bring three friends with them. And then the week after that, they bring another group of friends and another group of friends and another group of friends. And you're like, well, what's different? Because youth has always been great. But they're like, I have something and I want my friends to have it. I'm experiencing Jesus, and I want my friends to experience it too. And so in their own way, they can craft it and tell it. And this isn't for me to say, like, oh, you have to do something. It's for Jesus to tell you you have to do something. In Matthew 28, after Jesus died, and he rose again, and he came back, and he's telling the disciples. In Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, so a lot of people just start at 19. I want to give you a little biblical tip. If you see a therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is it? Therefore, and you read the verse before. And so he says, because I have been given all authority on heaven and on earth, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even till the ends of the age. Jesus, his last words is like, go, go and tell the world about me, and I'm going to be with you while you do it. He's not throwing you off the Titanic with floaties, right? He's not just saying, go figure it out. He says, but I'm with you until the end of the earth, but go. And the shepherds went with no degree, with no masters of divinity, right? With no ordination process. They just experienced something really great. Are you experiencing something really great with Jesus? I mean, I know you are at Crosspoint because we're rad, right? We have, like, the best children's ministry ever and worship. Woo! But are you experiencing Jesus? And if you are, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? The shepherds went and told everyone. I'm going to call the band up.
And then it says the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. I want to give us an opportunity this Christmas season to glorify and praise God. I want to give you an opportunity right now that wherever you sit, if you're exhausted, if you're tired, that we take a moment and we, we glorify God. Um, every, every person that I know has a different thing that they just love about Jesus. And one of the things that I love is that God made me to glorify him. Like, in everything that I do, from everything, is I want to glorify God. And so the shepherds went, and they told everyone, and they left, and they glorified and praised God. And so no matter where you sit right now, if you're sitting in a place and you're like, I'm the shepherd, and I have no idea why God chose me. If you're sitting in a spot where your life is so messy around you that you don't know how to get through it, we have a prayer team here that wants to pray for you and with you. Because the messiest thing that can happen this Christmas season is that you miss the Messiah. The worst thing that can happen this Christmas season is that you get all dolled up and have the best Santa pictures ever, but you forget to have an encounter with the Savior. The messiest thing that can happen is that it becomes about everything else than about Jesus. The shepherds were the first chosen because what it was, it was for all of us to know that no matter what, wherever you're sitting right now, that Jesus is for you. Whatever is happening right now, that Jesus is for you. A reminder of what Jesus has done is we have communion in the four corners of the room and this is communion, is that we're remembering what the Savior of the world who came in a manger, he came and he died on the cross to take on your yuck and your mess. And he says, I'm paying the price so you don't have to. You're living in guilt and shame for things that you did that you don't have to. I'm dying for you. And you might have forgot it because the enemy wants to whisper in your ear, but you are still gross. Jesus doesn't want you, and it's a lie. And so we go and we take communion, and we say, this is Christ's body broken for you. This is Christ's blood shed for you. And in that shedding of blood, do you know what that is? That's covering. That's covering of your sins, covering of your mess, covering of your pain. Jesus came for everyone. So go and tell everyone. Heavenly Father, I love you. Oh, Jesus, God, man, you are good. Jesus, you are good because you love us despite the messy, gross people we are. 
you laid down your life and came to be born in a manger so that we can find you beyond whatever else that we're looking for, God, that we would find you. And God, tonight, for those that are today, those that are sitting here and they are looking for something, that they find you. Those that are here that are hurting, God, that they find you. Those that are just wanting to worship and glorify God, God, that we would worship and glorify you in a spectacular way. But God, most of all, that we would find you. Your name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.